0: Welcome to the AJP Podcast, a podcast that discusses current events, relevant topics and emerging issues in pharmacy. I'm your host, Carleen McMoore, and together with my producer, Jared McMoore, and the Australian Journal of Pharmacy, we are bringing you a podcast that draws on the opinions and expertise of pharmacists from all settings and experience levels, from those pharmacists who've already been a voice in the profession to those who've never had their voice heard before. Hear from some pharmacy leaders about how their careers have progressed, how they've ended up where they've ended up, and what it is that keeps them going, keeps them trying, keeps them taking risks and chances, and what motivates them to get up in the morning to take the next opportunity to see where that might lead. Ross Tsuyuki discusses doing the right thing and
1: being bold. I think more than there's more than one thing, uh, but... One of my mentors always said to me, uh, "Do the right thing. Do the right thing for patient care and you'll always be you always be on the right track." And so I always remembered that. Uh, it requires you to step back sometimes and and evaluate maybe from a distance to see if if that is the right thing. Um, I, I think the other thing too, and particularly for pharmacists is, don't let anyone tell you you can't do something. I'm not saying break the law. I'm saying be bold. Uh, and if it's for patient care and it's going to improve patient care, you'll be fine. Uh, be bold. I can remember when I was a hospital pharmacist uh, in the coronary care unit, and and um, I decided I was—we weren't allowed to write in the in the progress notes. That was only for physicians. And— I spoke to my chief of cardiology, and I said, you know, I think that we should be documenting our our, um, admission histories and discharge summaries and and, and progress notes. Uh, And he says, yeah, I I I always wondered why you never did that, and that would be really highly valuable. So I asked the head of the pharmacy department, whoa, we're not allowed to do that. Um, uh, Don't you be doing that? So I did it anyway. Uh, And... You know, a few years later, it became the the standard at that hospital. And they actually did a retrospective study, and they found that in the patients in whom a pharmacist wrote in the progress notes, because they couldn't do it, they just physically couldn't do it for everyone. But if you took the two groups and and matched them for um, disease severity, the ones where the pharmacist wrote a note actually had a lower mortality rate which doesn't prove it but it gives you an interesting hint uh and so i felt somewhat vindicated uh there so so i was told no you cannot it you know you must follow the rules you cannot document in the patient's chart and i just thought that's not going to hurt anyone i think it's going to actually help people so i did it anyway and and later on uh, you know the this same chief of cardiology said well you know actually it's been a massive change since you, you you and your trainees started to, to document in the charts uh, um and uh admitted that they u our notes were better than the resident physicians and uh and, and actually they used our ours for their discharge summaries because ours were much more thorough uh and, and thoughtful. And uh so, you know, that's an example of uh, just do it. You know. Don't ask for permission, just do it.
0: <laughs> Christy Lee Rigby discusses doing what is right and not what is easy.
2: I can actually say this pretty easily, actually. Um, the most the comment that comes to mind is do what is right and not what is easy. Um, I think as pharmacists we need to make sure that... We're doing the right thing by our patients, by our staff, and for our business. So, there's always going to be an easier way, um, but we need to be doing what is right, um, not taking any shortcuts or anything like that. So, and at the end of the day, um, it might take a little bit longer or um, might cost a little bit more money, but at the end of the day, we're here for our patients, and that's only going to give us better patient health outcomes. So that's something that's always stuck by me. Um, and day-to-day as a pharmacist, sometimes there's things, oh, I'll just do it this way because it's a bit easier and I don't have the time, but then down the road, it's always much harder, so if you just do it the right way first, then it's going to be much easier and more rewarding in the end.
0: Belinda Wood shares her slogan to push boundaries and characteristics of being an effective leader.
3: The best piece of advice that I've been given, though, is be brave, be clever and have some swagger. Because that has really driven what I have done in my career to push the boundaries, to um, be opportunistic. And it really manifested in 2015 when I was the CEO of the Generic Medicines Industry Association. And it was a piece of advice that was given to me by a a long-term friend and mentor uh, to take an opportunity and just go out there and be brave and ask the federal government for a strategic agreement. And, um, and that resulted in GMIA achieving its first ever agreement with the Australian government. And, and it really was by, by being brave... And, um, and of course, there's, there's bravery and stupidity, right? Mm-hmm. So so being clever um, as part of that is, is really important. And I think I, I reflect on that now as one of the most pivotal points in, in my career. But it does drive what I do now, being brave, being clever about that, and having a bit of swagger around that as well, not accepting the status quo uh, and really putting yourself and who you represent out there. And, and I guess with that then comes leading with authenticity and integrity because you need all of those things I think to be an effective leader not only in pharmacy but in any area of business.
0: I discuss aspects of finding your path as well as expectations and what is important to you. The best advice that I've received in my pharmacy career I think about the fact that I've always wanted to do something that I was good at And something that I've enjoyed, but also I've now added on the third part, which is something that you get to work with a group in um, towards a desired goal. So somewhere that you can work together collaboratively. I think that if you could find those three aspects in your job, then you are truly um, on the right path and you do have something that is unique and that not everybody else has and definitely something to be proud of because you would have worked on it and also realizing that it's a privilege. So I would say finding something that you're good at, something that you enjoy and something that you can be collaboratively working with others with a similar goal would be, the ideal. And sometimes it's not how you thought it would be. I think um, I, when I was studying, there was a lot of discussions and even a lot of judgment on people who tried different things and maybe even did one course and did another. Um, there's always a lot of back but I guess the only person you have to think about is that you are meeting your aspirations and your goals because at the end of the day when you look back on your life and you think did I do something that I really enjoyed did I do something that I was good at and did I do something where I was working collaboratively if you can answer yes to that then it doesn't matter what everybody else says but I do agree that it is a big challenge or it can be a big challenge when yeah when you're finding your path and I would say follow your passions and not everybody has the same passions and skills so where you find to utilize your passions and skills as long as it's in line with your values um (laughs) Joyce McSwan discusses the best you can give and self-care
4: Okay, I think the best advice was pretty much be the best you can be and then better. So that's always stuck with me. Um, It was given to me by one of my mentors and my pharmacist mentors and I've always kind of stuck with that in terms of kind of competing with myself actually in, in terms of, you know, being able to sit back and go, is that the best I can give? And if that's the best, can I just nudge that extra bit forward to be that little bit better? And it's all—it's a a self-check. And probably the other advice that I think I was given and I continue to live by was actually not by any of my peers or pharmacists, it was actually by my patient. And that is basically um, along the lines, and I'll paraphrase, of making sure that you care for yourself so that you can continue to care for them. Um, and I think that's coming from a patient, <laughs> that says a lot, coming from your mother that says something else, but coming from your patient, I think it's it says so much about how much they value your help, but also how much, um, you know you're also a human (laughs) and for an overachieving person like myself um, within DNA of, you know, probably type one, (laughs) you you really um, have to uh, self-check that a lot to make sure that that element of self-care is definitely a a non-negotiable. So you don't burn out, so you can be sustainable. So yes,
0: can you give us some tips on some of those self-care aspects? <laughs> oh,
4: absolutely, yes. Learn how to sleep. <laughs> I love the ability to do all kinds of things with my sleep. Sleeping is sleeping – learning how to sleep doesn't mean sleep more. Sleeping um, is a huge part of self-care. I think the discipline of sleep is so important to understand and the science of sleep consequently, but being able to rest when you need to rest, um, snack rest if you need to snack rest on some days. Um, To me, it's been a really awesome, uh, you know, training process for myself. Um, Yes, so that's number one. Um, Exercise regularly like that. Has been, um, yeah, that has been such a uh, such an important part of more latter part of my life. The more I started to achieve, the more I realised I couldn't afford not to be well. Um, so, you know, I was basically, yeah, finding that I needed to self care more, and that was ex- exercise actually helped me be more productive. Consequently, by giving up that, you know, forty minutes meant that I had another three hours of productivity you know so that that was the quality exchange ratio in my mind <laughs> to actually motivate you know because it's a bit of a mind battle sometimes um but that was the exchange rate in my mind and went okay i'm happy with exchange rate i can do that um so a lot of self positivity and talk self-talk um probably two other things that i find has been most helpful for me um is actually self-talk yep Talking to myself, <laughs> people might think that's mad, but talk, self-talk, you know, is is incredibly therapeutic. You say all the nasty things you want to say to someone, but you say it as if they're there, but they're not there, and you get it out. Essentially, alternatively, you know, you rephrase things a different way that you could have said. You know, so you're continuously learning um, communication basically with yourself. So. Me, myself and I, we have a great time together <laughs> because we have this constant conversation um, and usually that's, of course, done in private but but it's rather entertaining. Um, and I think self-talk is, is a wonderful way of not just practising communication because that's a very key element of, um, of, of uh, persuasion but also a very key element of, um, you know, progress, progression. Yeah, being able to communicate well is incredibly important. And the last little trick that I have, which I find incredibly useful, is um, music. Music directly at a certain decibel that I'm comfortable with, sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's soft, um, right into my ears without any um, ambient noise um, uh, sort of interruption. That I find extremely invigorating for my brain. It's like a little spa treatment for my brain. (laughs) That's rather passive, I realise, but it's wonderful for that rest time and and making sure that self-care is in place. So a couple of those uh, tricks um, has been really optimisers.
0: Steve Morris discusses seeing your profession through the eyes of others, taking chances, and discusses the linear career pathways as well as expectations.
5: Probably the best advice I received was when I was starting to think about moving out of pharmacy, actually, was always to see the the service that you work in and the profession through the eyes of others. Because often, I think, for lots of professions, we, we can become very insular in how we view our own profession. And I think it was very sound counsel to think about how do others view pharmacy, for example? How is pharmacy regarded by other professions? And so you start to look through it through a different lens and sometimes that helps you explain the role of that professional, the work you do in a different way. So that's probably one of the most valuable pieces of advice I was given.
0: So you've had a unique career. So I I thought I'd ask you about um, maybe how you developed in your career, maybe any advice that you have for people who are looking to work outside of pharmacy?
5: Yeah, okay. Yeah, obviously I'm a pharmacist by background. I've probably worked in every sphere of pharmacy from community to hospital um, to primary care to industry to NGOs. So I've worked in many aspects of pharmacy and then for, for many periods of time worked outside of pharmacy in wider roles in both primary care in the UK and in the acute sector, And I think my advice to anybody was to to actually take a risk and take chances. Always be pushing the boundaries within your own profession, but also look for opportunities where if you're really passionate about healthcare and health outcomes, that you look for those opportunities, perhaps even beyond the boundaries of pharmacy itself. And you always have to take risks. And if you don't take risks, then I think it's very difficult to progress. And often through careers, I often speak to young pharmacists who, who expect a very linear progression perhaps in their career, and have very high expectations that the pathway will be clear and linear. But careers are often not like that. Often you need to take a step sideways or even a step out of your profession in terms of moving on. But I think take risks, enjoy what you're doing, and just keep pushing the barriers, uh, both challenging personally and for any organisation that you work in.
0: Deanna Mills and Erin Cooper share on finding a mentor, taking a chance, and being involved.
6: Just think through all my, like, pharmacy heroes. and like, what have they said to me?
2: Yeah, um, I think the thing that I've heard the most and continually comes up is the idea of finding a mentor and someone that you can trust and talk to and help you answer those tough questions. Um, yeah, finding you're someone that you're super comfortable with talking to and that you trust and they understand your relationship and understand where you are and your thoughts and opinions.
6: I think even in my short time I've received a lot of different advice from people but one of the things that I've heard repeatedly and that I always use when I'm making a decision is to take a chance. All of our leaders in the profession, all of our award winners, they get up and in their thank you speeches they say that they took a chance on some random job and it ended up being the best thing they ever did. So every time I'm nervous about a new opportunity or thinking through that, that's one thing that I always think about because everyone seems to say it. Um, And I also agree, mentors, um, even if you're just looking up people on Twitter, having that inspiration around you, you can draw on other people's enthusiasm for the profession. So getting involved and staying involved um, with other members of the profession, particularly people that are seen to be leaders or to be doing well um, is always something that people have said to me, particularly successful people. So that's another thing that, yeah, 100% agree. I try to do that too.
0: Lily Pham, Tina Buffari, and Jess Shao talk about how to see failure and to try everything.
6: Main one would be don't be afraid of failure. Um, your life's just going to keep going on and you can learn from your failures. Um, that's like the challenge of life and stuff. So just keep going. Um, for me, it would be that um, you should try a little bit of everything out. Um, don't be afraid to, to try everything because, you know, you don't want to be kind of narrowing your field into two things too far when you're starting out as an early career pharmacist and you just want to be exploring everything before you know maybe you find something that you truly am passionate about um, and settling there yeah so when you
2: asked that question kind of two things came to mind for me Um, but one of them was from Dr Jacinta Johnson who said at the end of the day just be a good pharmacist Um, and that really resonated with me because there's so many ways the field can take you there's so many things you can do but if you never lose touch with being the best pharmacist you can be or the best healthcare care professional, then you're always going to be successful. Um, so I thought that was a really... That's kind of the piece of information that I've kept with me throughout my little pharmacy journey so far, and I feel like I'll continue it.
0: Chris Freeman shares on finding the courage to talk to people you admire and saying yes.
7: I think uh, there's, there's two pieces of advice, I think. Uh, one is not to be shy and to go up and actually uh, interact with that person that you've always wanted to interact with. And I can tell you a personal story about that. Uh, I was working in a pharmacy uh, and I had just become accredited to provide medication reviews. And I really wanted to move into that space uh, uh, as a a sort of full-time role. And I'd, uh, I'd seen Debbie Rigby present at many conferences. I'd been in the room with her, but I'd always, always been sort of um, frightened to go up and speak to her because she was a well-known pharmacist. I didn't want to say something stupid in front of her. Um, so I eventually plucked up the courage and did it. And she provided me with such insightful advice that I then was able to actually move into that area. Uh, and I'm just I, I sometimes sit back and think if, if I didn't have the courage at that period of time to actually go and speak to Debbie how would my professional career would have how different it might have been um, so I think uh, be brave um, ask the questions uh, that you um, want to ask of people and my experience is people are very happy for you to come up and ask those questions um, don't be don't be afraid to do that I think the other piece of advice that I've gotten that I've tried to stick to is take opportunities as they present themselves. Say yes to things rather than be a default no. I think as pharmacists, and this is a generalisation, we are conservative in um, certain areas, and it's easy to have a default response as no. Uh, I think we need to push ourselves beyond our comfort zone and our default to be yes, and we can work out the details a bit later. That can get you into a bit of trouble. (laughs) It can end you off as national president of the PSA at some point. (laughs) Um, uh, But, you know, it it does then provide you with... um, You can then take those opportunities rather than um, regretting not doing that later on in life. And uh, uh, I don't think Andrew will mind me saying this, but I was speaking with Andrew McLaughlin uh, about a year ago as he was announced as the new dean of the um, pharmacy school at University of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about it and he said, um, you know, uh, it was presented, this opportunity presented to him and he was sort of arming and ahhing whether it was the right decision. And, and what it came down to was, just, yes, I'll do it and I'll work out those other things later. And I think that sort of attitude really will drive your, your professional career forward.
0: Liam Murphy Talks about the importance of caring versus knowledge, the use of analogies, and the benefits of developing yourself as a person.
8: The best advice, one of the definitely one of the best pieces of advice I've received is was from my dad, who's actually also a pharmacist, and it's along the lines of the you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, so it's one thing to sort of be spouting and and being this beacon of knowledge. But if you can't actually engage someone and, and convey that information in a way that makes sense to them, it's essentially worthless. Um, I like with my practice coming up with analogies that make stuff easy to understand um, and really simplifying things for patients uh, to allow them to understand better why they're taking a medication or why they shouldn't be taking a medication or something that's going on. Um, and uh, also just allowing you, yourself to engage with people and treating people or treating patients as humans first, not you know someone that's coming in or script numbers or anything else like that. Uh, it's not so much advice that was given to me, but it's something that's sort of a thought that I stumbled across eventually throughout my travels and my adventures was that you know in my opinion better people make better pharmacists um and so those that are friendlier, more compassionate more understanding have better knowledge and better communication skills are uh, generally going to be better pharmacists and better health professionals across the board uh and then that also opens up the question how do you make yourself a better person what do you do um and the topic I sort of Touch on with that is personal development and it essentially comes down to finding out what you like to do, finding out what you want to do, what makes you happy, what gets you going Um, and also, you know, how can you communicate with people better, how can you understand people, how can you withhold your judgment and, you know, listen to someone with the intention of understanding rather than listen to someone with the intention of responding Um, and then having that as a basis for communication
0: Lauren Burton shares on thinking about the type of pharmacist you want to be.
9: I guess the best advice that I've received throughout my career is to think about the type of pharmacist I want to be. And that's a really general statement and it actually changes in definition depending on where I find myself. Um, But I guess um, there's... Being a healthcare professional, it's very much a values-based profession and um, you need to consider your ethics and your values and how you want to conduct yourself with your patients and consumers and colleagues every day. Um, So for me, thinking about the type of pharmacist I want to be is where I see um, my skills and attributes being of most value in the healthcare system as a pharmacist, Um, seeing where the needs are and where I need to develop skills um, to meet those needs, where I find myself practising, um, and how I want to continue my professional development to ensure that um, I'm staying in touch with the current the current situation, the current treatments, the current medicines, the current issues, the challenges and barriers within our healthcare system. And so, as I um, learn and I grow and I. I I find myself more and more exposed to different situations Um, the consideration for that statement um, changes but I always try and think about the type of pharmacist I want to be and often it's interesting you find touch points in other people how you see them go about their business and um, you develop role models and people who inspire and inform your practice because you you see um, an alignment of values and and what you want to achieve and how they go about that and and try and and try and take that on yourself as well.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP Podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP Forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to podcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJPPodcast.